Sports are really important vehicles for relationships. We have purpose. We have a why. We bring people together. We connect. I feel like God is our greatest supporter and our greatest coach. Welcome to Rabbi on the Sidelines. This is Rabbi Erez Sherman from Sinai Temple in Los Angeles. A couple of weeks ago, we spoke to Coach Bob McKillop, uh, the former coach of Davidson, Steph Curry's college coach, and his spiritual journey of taking his basketball team to Auschwitz in 2018. It was the subject of this wonderful book called Unbracketed by Graham Honiger from Butler University and Jerry Logan. And in this book of Unbracketed, Tells the story is another great basketball program, something, some program that I was uh, loved to watch and loved to hate growing up in Syracuse, New York, and that was the Villanova Wildcats. And not a player and not even a coach, but the man at the end of the bench, Father Robert Hagen, Senior Associate Athletic Director of Villanova University, Team Chaplain of Basketball and Football, Villanova Basketball Champion 2016 and 2018. Father, it's good to see you. Thanks for joining Rabbi on the Sidelines. Rabbi, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure, buddy. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, I reached out after seeing your story. And as I just told you off the air, there are many times over the last uh, 30 years that we've actually been in the same room. We just didn't know each other. I was sitting opposite the bench and you were on the bench. And I was always jealous that there was a man of faith at the end of the bench. So let's just start right there. And what does it mean to be a team chaplain and not behind the scenes, but literally on the court for these high-level student-athletes at Villanova University. It really is a great honor. It's a, it's a privileged seat. I don't take it lightly. Um, it's a seat that's been held by, um, by many before me. Um, Father Bernie Laser was chaplain for Villanova for 30 years, was on the bench for the 85 championship. Um, he happened to be a teacher when I was at Villanova. So you know, I, I know I, I stand in a long line of, um, you know, spiritual companions and, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, kind of like you, you know, I, um, I, I grew up around it. I followed mm -hmm. it. I went to Villanova. I've always, you know, loved rooting for the team and to, um, you know, in some way be a small part of it in their journey, uh, you know, to see how hard they work, how much time, um, effort, uh, that everyone puts into it from the, you know, the, the, the one who's scoring all the points all the way down to the, the guys that are doing the laundry mm -hmm. uh, to accompany them on the journey. has been a real, uh, it's been a joy in my life. It's really been a blessing to my priesthood. So let's talk about that priesthood because often you might have the same experience flying uh, on airplanes when people say, what do you do? And if you don't want to go the clergy route, you say, I'm a teacher, I'm a historian. <laughs> exactly. But when they say, oh, I'm a rabbi, then the conversation <laughs> begins. But you didn't begin as an Augustinian priest. You began as a lawyer. And so what was that calling that shifted from law to the spiritual world? Well, it sounds, it sounds like a radical shift, you know, like um, all my buddies kid me and say, you know, all those years in the law, you're, you're just making up for all your sins. You know, you're going to have to <laughs> take a lot more uh, morality courses, you know, and, and, and all the jokes that go along with being a lawyer. But I, I love the law. Uh, my older sister uh, is a lawyer. My, my grandfather was a criminal defense attorney. And so I, I, I think it was, it was something that I thought about when I was in college. I, I, the idea of priesthood occurred to me when I was in college, but I, I kind of, I just didn't think it was for me. And so I, I did, I, I went to law school, I got out and, um, I practiced in the criminal defense field. I, I represented a lot of guys who, um, 
were good people who did some bad things. And um, in the course of, of my time in the law, which was about seven years at uh, Gillen and Associates in, in and outside of Philadelphia, um, I, I accompanied a lot of people in, in some of the lowest points of their life and, and some of their you know, highest points of their life. And, and it's so the law and, and what you and I do Erez, is very similar. You know, you, know, you kind of help people work on and become the best version of themselves. And so I always thought the notion of a calling was like, you know, St. Paul got knocked off his horse. You know, uh, Moses saw the burning bush, you know, that it was some kind of radical lightning bolt strike, you know. And so that that really wasn't happening to me. So I thought that that's what happens to rabbis and priests, that they that's mm -hmm. that's how they are, they're called. What I what I came to realize is a calling can be a, a whisper in your heart. It could yes. be a, a tap on your shoulder. It could be a recurring, um, you know, where you 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 kind of um, gravitate towards a particular area in your life in your heart. That that also can be a way that God kind of nudges and prods. And I think that's what happened to me. You know, just kind of over some time, he allowed me to pursue some of these other options first. And then, you know, very Augustinian. You know, Augustine was about the restless heart. You know, our our heart is restless until it rests in you. Mm. And so it was, um, you know, a decision that I, I came to slowly, um, but certainly no regrets. And uh, I found great peace in, in, in this in this journey. And so over the last two years that I've had this show of Rabbi on the sidelines, which sounded crazy to the Jewish community and maybe even the religious community. But then I talked to people like you who have maybe found this passion of spirituality, but in a community where they're are a lot of resemblances of spiritual significance in the sports world. And so was that meant to be in terms of combining that passion? Did you go find it? What led you to the bench? It's funny you say that because it, it definitely wasn't my plan. You know, you've heard that, uh, that expression, if you want to make God laugh, tell me your plans. Yes. It was not my plan. Um, I, I did go to Villanova, which is an Augustinian institution. So there were Augustinians already there working, and that was kind of attractive to me because I think I had this perception of clergy and priesthood as like guys who were like in church saying their prayers 24-7, you know? Mm -hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with that, you know? We, mm -hmm. need, that, we need people doing that, but what I, what I saw in, this, uh, in the Augustinians was they were kind of out in the world um, as teachers, as Navy chaplains, um, as administrators, you know, and, and so that was appealing to me, but only that. And so when I was ordained, uh, Father Dobbin, who was the then president of Villanova is now deceased. You know, he said, look, you've got the law degree. Um, there's a lot of things that go on in the athletics department that, that, you know, administratively you, you, you might be able to work on and handle, and then just kind of bring our mission into that side of campus, if you will. Mm -hmm. And it just happened to coincide with Father Laser, who I mentioned, beloved um, longtime chaplain at Villanova uh, for, um, for athletics, retired. He retired during my first year. Oh, wow. And, uh, and so next thing you know, you know, I get the call from Coach Wright and Coach Andy Talley, like, hey, you know, you're here. And... Um, and it might be an opportunity for you to connect with us in that way. And I really hadn't thought about it until they said that. And here we are all these many years later and all the things that have happened because of it. 
And so you didn't mention one person who I think also a big impact on the basketball program, of course, is Coach Raleigh Massimino. Uh, maybe talk a little about the Big East uh, back in the day. Obviously, Coach Beheim, who's a, a mentor and a, mo a role model of mine, still there. Uh, Massimino, Carnesecca, John Thompson. Now, of course, Jay Wright, who's now retired. What was the Big East of old like? It was, it was tough, but it seemed like those guys really had a, a spiritual bond and friendship that when they stepped off the court, and I've watched them with the, with the coaches versus cancer, raising millions for great deeds off the court. Maybe a story behind the scenes that you say, you know what, you see these guys battle it out, but at the end of the day, they're all really trying to do good work for all of us. So true. And, and also Dave Gavitt you know, yeah. who, who really was the mastermind behind that all, who really saw, you know, just, um, uh, you know, it was Northeast basketball at the time. Obviously, we've spread out now since then. But, you know, schools with common values, with great basketball traditions, who would, you know, come together in this form, this, you know, just com competitive bond. And I love listening to Coach Wright because he, you know, he makes it very clear what an influence and mentor that Coach Massimino was on him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I uh, was a student when coach won that, uh, that championship in 85. And I have to tell you, like on behalf of all my classmates, it, it just really changed us. It really made us, you know, for a, you know, kind of a small little Catholic private school to believe that all things are possible. Yeah. Um, when you, you work together for a common goal and, and, and you kind of put your ego aside and, you know, this little Italian, you know, guy who, who just was kind of fiery and, you know, disheveled on the sidelines. And he just, you know, his word was family. And, you know, you, know, you talk to those guys from that 85 team and they're still close to this day. Yeah. They still come back to Villanova as a group together. And he just forged this bond that, uh, you know, we had at Villanova. But, you know, like you say, Louis had it up at St. John's and and, uh, you know, uh, JT had it at Georgetown. And, and so it was kind of like, you know, just families and brothers going at it and, and uh, actually, with great respect. And then, you know, the, the, the expression is iron sharpens iron. Yep. And, and so, you know, because everybody was, you know, you know, so good and so committed and, and so competitive, we all made each other better. And, and, you know, so when we played that uh, Georgetown game in 85, that was actually the third time we played them. And yes, you know, they had beaten us during the regular season, but, um, you know, that because we had, we had some a familiarity with them because we've kind of hung with them, although we hadn't beaten them, you know, there wasn't a lot of fear or intimidation when those guys took the court that night. So you can see 2003 was a big, uh, sorry, this way, it was a big, uh, year in my, in my, in my life with uh, Carmelo and coach Beheim. And <laughs> I remember, uh, a couple of years after Jerry McNamara's last game in the carrier dome against Villanova. And uh, yes, Villanova went out with the victory, but Coach uh, Coach G Mac is still on the bench there as well. You mentioned something in this book, which was uh, really powerful about the passing of your father at age 47, and this idea of living a life of urgency. Coach John Wooden says, "Be quick, but don't hurry." How do you balance that within our spiritual lives and the world that's really going around us? That we live with a sense of urgency, but also take a step back to realize what this is all about in the in the greater picture. Thanks, Erez. That's a that's really well put. And and as you as you may know, in our faith tradition, you know, um, tomorrow is Ash Wednesday, mm -hmm. and and it's kind of a it, it's kind of a you know for for, for the for the unschooled, it, it might look a little crazy for us to be walking around with ashes on our foreheads, but it it, it is you know whether you put an ash on your forehead or not, it's just a nice reminder mm -hmm. that you know we are dust, and unto dust we shall return. 
and and that um, we're all you know just passing through here for a finite period of time and to not get too hung up about the past and not to be too anxious about the future mm-hmm. but to really kind of live in the moment and embrace the opportunities that we're given each day and so obviously it's it's wonderful for our respective faith traditions to live that way but it certainly translates on the court you know to 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 be able to stay in the moment and be centered and not be so hung up about a mistake or a missed shot mm-hmm. or a you know a blunder that we all make and 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 one of the things that you know our guys will scream on the bench and um, that is next play nice. you know next play and i you know and i would say that's kind of translation for you're forgiven get back in the moment and let's move forward together oh, i love that you know and uh, when you talk about next play and obviously college players are focused on this play, meaning they're four years there. But as you said, the brothers that come back, the families that's created, you were on uh, Fox News after the championship win uh, a couple of years ago. And this is what you said about life after basketball for these players and how you try to prepare them. Coach Wright has a wonderful way of um, reminding them not just about the, the basketball, but life after basketball. And we infuse this spirit we like to talk about, about being hungry and humble. And so let's hope that this isn't the greatest thing that Dante ever does with his life. He's got more living to do. He's got more people's lives to affect. Uh, St. Augustine has a wonderful line where he says, do not be content with what you are if you want to become what you are not yet. Where you've grown pleased with yourself, there you shall remain. Hungry and humble, content, but not yet. Maybe expand on that a little based on the basketball and based on life. Yeah, it's a, it's a really, uh, it's good for all of us to remember, but particularly at this level, because as you can imagine, the, the, the talent that goes to places like Syracuse and Villanova and- And now UCLA, I'm a, I, 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 UCLA and USC, we're, <laughs> we're a split congregation here. <laughs> well, you know, all those places, okay, will attract the best and the brightest. Right. And, and so, you know, you're talking about, you're talking about young men who haven't sat on the bench since third grade. Mm-hmm. Who, who are used to being the star at every level that they've been at. And yet you want them to continue to get better. You want them to continue to, to, to have the humility to say, you know, what else can I improve upon? And I think that's, that's where, you know, Coach Wright and others have really done well to say, you know, we, we still got work to do here. And let's not be satisfied with what you did last year or the trophy that you took home two years ago. You know, one of the things that Coach Wright would do at every uh, awards banquet at the end of the year, he would ask the parents of our players or the guardians, whoever there were, you know, responsible for the, for, the, for the young man to stand up. And he would personally thank them mm, nice. for raising a person that was coachable. Because if you've got somebody who's got all the answers, who knows it all, who's done it all, who isn't hungry and humble, how can you possibly get better? Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, I think that, and especially, you know, in the age of NIL, where everybody's going to compete for the, for the five-star player who's going to make the millions of dollars that you're going to have to pay, and, and, they're worth, and they're deserving of it, and that's a whole other issue. You know, they, they, they should get a share in this, in this revenue. I hope the clergy are included in NIL, by the way. <laughs> I, I don't know yet. But, but, but <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. If, you, if you have somebody that um, maybe isn't a five-star player, Right. who's maybe a three-star player, but who's willing to work and get better and engage in player development, boy, you can have a lot of success on and off the court with people like that. 
So how does prayer work as a priest? But even when teams don't have priests, I'm always told that there is prayer in the locker room. This past year, we went through these Supreme Court hearings about can there be prayer off the field, on the field, and then something like Demar Hamlin happens, and not only are the players praying, but the broadcasters are praying in that moment. <laughs> yeah, like give me prayer. And so right. this, is what, this is what you said uh, after the championship game, how you uh, bring the, the team together in a circle and what you pray about. So that after that we won, we do uh, we did what we always do. And that would have been win or lose. We join hands in the locker room and give thanks to God for the opportunity to compete. And uh, we use our gifts to the best of our ability. And on that night, you know, we happen to come out on the right side of things. And we're just so blessed for the example that that team is. Uh, perseverance, as you said, brotherhood, uh, sticking together. And, and these are the kind of values that we want to take out of that locker room into the rest of our lives. And, and we talked about how we're really bonded and united in that spirit uh, long, after, long after Monday night. What does prayer look like before the game? Is there a prayer that you like? Do you find the something from the Psalms, from Proverbs that the players like? How do you match the moment, whether you're at a winning season, a losing season? What sermon do you bring to those teams at those moments? Thank you. As, as you know, well, you and I are from, you know, different faith traditions, but, but there's so much in common. Yes. You know, and Augustine would say faith, uh, prayer is conversation with God. Mm-hmm. You know, let, let's open up our hearts and minds and talk to God, you know, and, and maybe bring our intentions that we have that day. Maybe, and it may, it may be beyond what's going on in the locker room. You know, my grandmother's sick, my brother's in prison, so-and-so's mm-hmm. really struggling. Um, to, to, to invoke that spirit and that conversation with our higher power and trust that, you know, and remember, we're not in it alone. Now, you're right. We, we, do, we do kind of um, replicate what we would call a ritual, you know, and, and I think so much in sports is ritual. You know, you talk to guys that they eat certain foods, they stretch at a certain time, they sit in a certain locker. You know, there's, there's a lot of ritual that goes along with sports. And so, you know, we'll incorporate, you know, a prayerful ritual uh, four hours before every game. We have our team meal. And we would say before we take our spiritual food, I mean, before we take our material food, let's take some spiritual food. Love that. And then, you know, I would, um, I'm not trying to um, script it, but I will, I'll draw inspiration from scripture, uh, from current events, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, from just kind of the life rhythm of the team. You know, what we're going through right now as a team is not what, where we were in 2018 when we were just, you know, mowing people down. Exactly. And so we know that prayer doesn't mean you're going to win every game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does mean that, you know, as we said, you're going to try to uh, remember um, that we're in it together um, to ask for the gifts that we might need in that moment. You know, in, in certain moments, it might be humility. In other moments, it might be patience. Um, and and so I'll look for um, a scripture that 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 you know, pertains to, you know, the kind of the current event and where we are for the day. We'll read the scripture. We'll talk about how it applies to our life. We'll invoke prayer intentions for anyone or anyone, um, you know, family or community that, uh, you know, we, we, we want to ask God to, to offer strength for, and then we'll close it up. And then when we get in the locker room, we'll kind of do a smaller version of that. Might maybe just kind of a, a summary of where we were four hours before 
And then, as we said, win or lose, we come in that locker room before Coach Neptune or Coach Wright will, will say a word about the game. The first thing we'll do is join hands and thank God for the opportunity to compete. Nice. Nice. You nice. Know? And how does that work with either athletes who are religious or not? Because uh, just last week I was actually on a panel at a university out here, specifically when the DEI officer and they talked about religious biases within athletes. Um, and some people come with religion, some people don't, as you probably have people come into your office saying, Father, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. Right. I ask them to define what spiritual means. They define everything what religious is. Um, so you have a group of basketball players. Yeah. They didn't necessarily sign up to go to synagogue, mosque, or church, but then they are given an amazing father. So how do you, you know, not be content, be humble, all the things yeah. that you're talking about while bringing, I mean, we yeah. can say the word of God, but bringing a sense of wholeness, of godliness into this athletic program. Thank you. I, 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 I see my role as, you know, my role is not to convert everybody and make them all Catholic. Not that mm -hmm. I could. Um, or my role isn't to run around and hit everybody over the head with the Bible, mm -hmm. you know, but at the same time, and I like to say it to our guys, you know, a couple of different ways, but like, if, you know, as, 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 as athletes, as student athletes, it's just as people, we're all born with, with tools in our toolbox mm -hmm. and, you know, mental being one of them and physical being the other. Well, why would you leave that third tool in your toolbox and not access it and try to use it? Yeah. You know, and, and so I think we are fortunate in that, you know, Villanova is a is a private institution and it's mission based. So I think a lot of that Erez, comes out in the in the recruiting that, yes. you know, I am fortunately to be involved in some of the recruiting where you, you just kind of learn that spirituality is part of the deal. We're not going to force it on you, but we are going to offer it to you as we would offer any other source of support for you. And, you know, there's always a grandmother or, you know, uh, an uncle or, or uh, you know, somebody in the family who is happy that this is part of it. You know, right. it, it's not the only part and, and it's not a forced part. So I do think that the kids that come here kind of understand that it's part of the deal. And then while they're here, my hope is that, you know, for some are really into it. Others may not be into it. And then others kind of grow with it as they as they go along. And it's interesting, there's a university, if you're familiar with it or not, Yeshiva University in New York City, and they're Division Three, um, And they're really bringing that to the spotlight right now, specifically with a player named Ryan Terrell, who is actually in the G League, who's one of the first Orthodox Jews drafted by uh, an NBA team. And they're bringing it to the forefront, and they're really allowing the Jewish community to understand that you can do both at a high level. And I think that's yeah. what I love about not just your story, but yeah. obviously growing up in the McGee, seeing, you know, um, a priest at the end of Notre Dame, Seton Hall, Nova, um, all these schools. And the fact that they have this spiritual guidance is just really, a, it really, it really is a blessing as well. And, you um, know, like the fact that we're praying, we're trying to pray and be spiritual, it doesn't mean that we're better. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that our kids don't, you know, act up. It doesn't mean that we don't have, you know, uh, code of conduct breaches once in a while. Like, you know, we're, we're just striving to be better. It doesn't, it, you know, I think sometimes, you know, the religion, religiosity can put you apart as though somehow you're trying to, you know, be above it all. We're certainly not above it all, you know? And, and so how do you see sports and faith have the ability to bring people together? And I give this example, um, unfortunately, over the last few months, a lot of anti-Semitism and in fact, creeping into the sports world because it's an easy place to bring that. 
um, whether it's in the MBA or different colleges. And my preaching is actually something that we're going to talk about in a minute. I believe it's not of Augustinian uh, foundation, but I believe the quote that you're going to have right here speaks to the same tradition that we have of loving your neighbor as thyself. How do you see at Villanova, for instance, somebody coming from this, somebody coming from that, and with this ball, they become this? Yeah, so well put. Um, you know, the word we use at Villanova a lot, it was a core Augustinian value, but it's certainly a, a universal value, and that's community. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, what a, what a wonderful um, creator of community athletics is, you know, to bring people together uh, into the arena, into the locker room. Um, there's so much diversity in athletics, diversity of, of, of thought, of economics, of race, um, of geography, and, and, and how much we can all learn and benefit from one another. And, and so, you know, sports is a wonderful platform. I think sometimes if we're not careful, people can, you know, kind of um, almost hijack the platform and use it mm-hmm. for their own, you know, kind of personal um, uh, advancement. But, but at the same time, they're, they may be passionate about a particular cause. Um, but, you know, in general, um, community, uh, to come together for a, a common goal, um, to remind people that everyone belongs. Uh, we have a saying on our team, you know, the coach Wright used to always like to say, our roles are different, but our status is the same. Oh, nice. You know, whether you're scoring all the points or you're coming off the bench or you're a manager or you're doing the laundry, that sense that we're all in it together. Mm-hmm. Um, Augustine says, each of us strengthens all of us. There's so many parallels from the locker room to the court that when you really believe that, I always like to point back to, you know, you, you, you're, uh, you may not, you, you, I don't know if you were even born when this happened, but what, you know, uh, the miracle on ice, you know, that 1980 gold medal, uh, hockey team. I was minus two. <laughs> and I have to, you know, when I bring it up with the guys, I have to tell them to go watch the movie. Cause you know, I know they, <laughs> but, but just that whole example of, you know, they were going up against the pros. Uh-huh. Um, they were going up without the talent. They were going out with, you know, with less, you know, lesser facilities. But what 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 really tipped the scale for them was they loved each other. Right. And and so, you know, to be able to use sports as a kind of a microcosm for especially in the world that we're in right now, where there's so mm-hmm. much polarization. Uh, and division, you know, the, I, I can tell you, you know, Coach Wright brokered a wonderful conversation, you know, in our locker room over the anthem. And, wow. you know, as you can imagine, you know, you've got guys who come from different neighborhoods. You've got guys who, who, who've had different experiences with the police. And, and here we are in the middle of it. And, and, and you know, unity doesn't always mean uniformity. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you have a spirit of respect, when you love your brother, when you when you can appreciate where somebody else is coming from, it's you know, it's it's been said before. It, it, when you know someone's story, it's hard to hate them. Yep. And to have to spend the time really talking it out, you know, uh, recognizing some of the differences, where people are coming from. And we were able to kind of negotiate, you know, how we were going to handle that. And um those aren't easy conversations. Actually, a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, Len Elmore, the great broadcaster, All-American, NBA veteran, Harvard-trained law attorney, now teaching at Columbia University, and he teaches a class called Athletes and Activism. 
So you just said that Coach Wright brought that topic to the team. Are there any times when you hear topics maybe that the student athletes feel are very important to use their platform and guidance on the spiritual side of how they both have to be careful for their own image and representing the university, but also being authentic to who they are? Yes, exactly. I mean, you, you, you know, it comes up a lot around, you know, free speech. Mm-hmm. You know, people might want to um, say or promote a certain cause. Um, you know, the NIL is going to present that challenge, I think, for a lot of uh, endorsement opportunities that, you know, may or may not be consistent with the mission of the institution. And, and so those are conversations about remembering, you know, who we, who we represent. You know, and we, we, we talk about that a lot, you know, just in terms of language, how people are, um, you know, everyone, uh, you know, back in the day, you know, you, you, you played and it got covered on the local news channel and that was it. Right. Now everybody has their own social media page, their own Twitter account. And what they say and how they represent, represent themselves also has to be mindful of mm-hmm. how you represent your family, how you represent the institution, how you represent the other members of your team. And, and so, you know, I've, I've been able to um, participate in some of those conversations. And, you know, it goes back to what we were saying at the beginning. If you come at it from an aspect of humility, mm-hmm. um, from, a, from a point of view that, you know, I, I, I'm trying to be respectful of how everyone else might be affected by this, right. not just me. And, and I think that goes back to the concept of team. Our some of our best teams, our closest teams, not because we won it all, but because they were, they were people who wanted to be part of something bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's usually a good barometer for us as we, as we you know, kind of uh, try to work on team culture. And actually, you said that right as you were going to the Final Four, the same year that Sister Jean, and we'll talk about her in a minute. And this is what you said about togetherness and unselfishness. They have, a, they have a spirit of togetherness. They have a spirit of humility. They have a spirit of perseverance. Easter's all about renewed spirit, and, and uh, they have it. And uh, they're unselfish. And it's really, um, it's been a joy to watch them grow, uh, not just as a team, but as, as brothers. So you talk about uh, togetherness and unselfishness. As you just said, the best teams sometimes don't have the five best players, but the five best teammates. Um, maybe... Uh, Name what? What is one of those teams when you thought in the beginning of the year? You know what? This they don't have it, but then you realize that they had it, which was the togetherness that really made them successful. Well, it's it's funny. Uh, there's a a team that's not often spoken of because of the recent success, but in '09, um, that was Jay's first Final Four, uh, and that was uh, that was a team that um, you know really was on the cusp of not making the NCAA tournament. It was not, uh, they were not a bunch of world beaters, um, but boy, they were grinders. They, 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 they had a work ethic. They really liked each other and, um, and they, and they had great team leadership. So they had seniors and captains who were willing to, um, I would say leadership is not, leaders are not always the most popular people in the room mm-hmm. and they're not the ones that always get invited to all the parties. They're often, um, able to hold others accountable and to maybe say some things that others need to hear, but, but don't always say. Right. And, um, you know, one of our, one of our core Augustinian values, you know, for the university, the, the three ones that we point to are veritas, unitas, caritas, uh, truth, unity, and love. Uh, 
That's my next question. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, but truth, you think about it in your own life. How many people really tell you the truth? Yep. You know, versus what you, what you, what they think you want to hear. Mm -hmm. And so, if you have a teammate, a brother, a coach, uh, a parent. Uh, a good friend who's willing to kind of call you out and say some things that maybe nobody else has said to you or something that you need to work on or maybe a blind spot that you don't even notice about yourself. That's where growth can take place. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, I think there's also an element of forgiveness, which you also talk a lot about specifically in the New York Times article, actually. You said things like relationships and forgiveness and getting up when you're knocked down are opportunities for all people. I never thought about forgiveness being a part of this sort of sports world in a in a meta way. What does forgiveness look like based on what you just said in terms of leadership, but also in terms of improvement in our own lives? It's such a good point. I mean, you think about you think about the, the individuals that we're talking about. They are uber competitive. They're not used to losing. They don't want to lose. They don't like to lose. And and so um, when someone is challenged, when somebody somebody is beaten, somebody has made a mistake, um, somebody has lost playing time, um, they, they can uh, if, if you're not careful, uh, I, I like to say that can be like a rock in the shoe mm -hmm. and that rock in the shoe rolls around and it's kind of not a big deal unless you leave it in there. And the mm -hmm. next thing you know, it breaks through the skin and causes a full blown infection. And so there have to be those opportunities in life, in our marriage, in, a, in, 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 our, in our ministry, on a team, where you, you dump those rocks out of the shoe. Right. And, and you, you own it. Um, you, 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 you say the I'm sorry. Uh, you recognize that um, somebody else, you know, has, has uh, maybe, you know, uh, done something better than you or, uh, you know, has gifts that you don't possess. And... Um, you know, you know, to not do that, you know, and, and it happens to all of us, it, it, you know, not to forgive is like holding on to like a burning rock. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, it just burns your own hand. And to be able to have the, the ability, the grace, the strength to put it down uh, and move forward. Um, and, and then back to, you know, if you want to take it back to the court, you know, when you're when you're centered, when you're at peace, when you're in right relationship with yourself and your God and others, boy, that, then you're ready to perform at your best. Wow. I love that. Actually, a new book out uh, by Professor Dave Hollander from New York University called uh, How Basketball Can Save the World. It's actually going to be <laughs> in person here at Sinai Temple March 15th on a book tour. Um, but he speaks about exactly what you're saying, that this game is so unique from all other games. One of them, he says, is that basketball is positionless. Obviously, there's guards, forwards, and a center, but immediately you have to switch from offense to defense, from the guards are dunking, the centers are shooting three-pointers, and this idea of togetherness and play as a unit, as uh, somebody once told me just recently, what Dean Smith used to say, is that basically it's five guys, but beating as one heart. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just so true, specifically in this game, that I personally love, and uh, love love to watch it as well. Just take us through, uh, number one, Seth Greenberg from ESPN told me a couple of years ago, the locker room is the sanctuary. Um, this week in the Jewish tradition, we read from the book of Exodus in Hebrew, that God says, you should build me a sanctuary for you to, for I shall dwell in it. And we know that God doesn't need a sanctuary to dwell and God can dwell everywhere. But we, in fact, need a place for God to come and dwell. 
take us to that locker room sanctuary and does that metaphor add up? Thank you. That's really well put. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk these days in the world um, about people having a safe space. Mm -hmm. uh, to be able to be in a safe space um, where uh, you, you feel respected, uh, where you can share uh, without being judged, um, and, and, and where you can really uh, feel the support of the people around you and, 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 and you know, in our case, and, and with your God. And, um, you know, the locker room can be that place where, um, you know, the people, the people in there understand um, the life and the ups and downs of the team and, and hopefully of the lives of the people that are in the lockers, that um, we, don't, we don't live in a vacuum. And, and if you're struggling, um, if something's going on in your life, you know, there's a good chance that somebody else in that locker room, if not right. one or more, are going to know. And a lot of people on the outside aren't, you know, especially in college, because people people treat these young men and women like pros, mm -hmm. you know, and, and they're not pros. And, you know, they have girlfriends and boyfriends who break up with them and they have uh, they have uh, parents who were divorced and they have, uh, you know, loved ones who have cancer. And, and not everybody knows the weight and the pressure that people are walking around with and, car and carrying. You know, the, the, you know, you've heard that expression, uh, be kind to people because everyone is fighting a battle that you know nothing about. Right. Well, in the locker room, they probably do. And, and, and so that's, that's a sanctuary. That's, that's the safe space for people to know that these people have my back. Uh, these people are rooting for me. These people support me, whether I make the basket or I don't, whether we win tonight or we don't. And um, I personally, you know, I'm, I'm really consider myself privileged to be in that sanctuary. Nice, nice. And the father of that sanctuary as well. Um, two more questions. First, the more I like to say in, in, in Hebrew, we say, you should go up in holiness and holiness and not down. So we'll start with more of a ordinary question. Uh, if you have to think about it, just let me know. But any moments of that Villanova-Syracuse rivalry that you can think of that just uh, that the privilege of being there um, just uh, well, uh, comes to mind. Well, you know, I got to say, Syracuse really travels well. Yes. I mean, we would play them in Wells Fargo and Philadelphia. And we you would hear some let's go orange chants there. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. We would be so excited that we have this packed house and half the <laughs> building would be orange. You know, yeah. they come down in these yellow school buses and just, you know, Jerry, Jerry. So I, I have great respect for their fan base, um, for the passion, for the tradition. Coach Wright and Coach Beheim have a wonderful yes. friendship. We would go up to that uh, Grimaldi's, I think it's that Italian. Absolutely. On Italian restaurant, yep. You know, and, and uh, so I just I love schools with tradition. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know we have it, but. You know, um, you know, Syracuse, USC, you know, a lot of schools you've mentioned, a lot of schools in the Big East, that tradition just um, it just really makes it so special. You, you respect them, even though they're coming out, they want to knock your head off. But you just respect the, the, the bond and the passion that they have for their program and their institution. And how do you see college basketball and college athletics going forward in the next let's say, I mean, first one year, but like we went through COVID where I think the world really needed not only religion, but also sports. We missed that so dearly. 
And then with the NIL and also with the transfer, when you talk about humility, right? The fact that a young person had to really think about their decision and possibly even sit out a full year before they went to somewhere else. And now it's sort of just mix and match. Um, what does that look like going forward in terms of the spirituality and loyalty involved, not just to an institution, but to brothers? So true. I mean, you, you said a lot there. I mean, COVID um, really was a game changer for all of us, mm -hmm. right? The, the world, uh, our schools, education, business. And, and one of the expressions that you know, we were using around campus was just, um, you know, were there any COVID blessings? You know, the, the, mm. what, what, what COVID blessings came out of it? You know, and, and if you reflect, I'm sure you can make your own list. Yep. You know, just appreciation of work-life balance, of being able to gather, um, you know, our, our own health, um, how much our health is interdependent on one another's health. And, and so a, a lot came out of there that I think we're still unpacking. Uh, the NIL, uh, I mean, um, you know, I spent 20 years working as a associate athletics director and, 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 and the bulk of that time was in uh, what we would call student athlete welfare. Mm -hmm. And so I really do have a great appreciation for, even though this is a lot of change and we're not exactly sure how it's gonna all shake out, the concept of it makes perfect sense. You know that that these student athletes put a lot into this, and 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 they should um, they should receive the benefit that in, mm -hmm. in a lot of ways they have been denied, and it really is like a full time job, right? And and so they didn't have the luxury of being able to go out and work while they were because they because of this work that they do, and so I think they're still figuring that out. Um, mm -hmm. And and so you know the the transfer portal is is. Um, it's a little off-putting for a lot of us who, you know, it, it's almost like free agency. Right. And, and then I think, you know, as I said, you know, if you talk about schools that, that have tradition, I think we took a lot of pride in bringing students in that would want to be here for, for the four-year experience to graduate, to be a part of the community um, long, after the, long after they leave, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, kind of this hopping around, I, I'm hoping that the dust will eventually settle that, you know, you can't just kind of move around for playing time, right. um, but that you want to put roots in a place where you, you, you know, you're, you're feeling this other, you know, support, whether it's academic, um, you know, medical, um, you know, spiritual in this case. And, um, and, and so, you know, I think it hasn't been, the dust hasn't settled on the, all that in terms of the, 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 the transferring that's taking place. But in the end, you know, um, a lot of people have have derived a lot of benefits from this. Right. The schools have, the coaches have, the institutions have, and certainly the student athletes should. The last question, it's as you said, it's holy season, both in your tradition of Easter and Ash Wednesday coming up. And for us, it's a matter of weeks going to be Passover, which obviously uh, also uh, we'll say conflicts often with the final four. That's one day I'm going to do maybe a Passover Seder at the final four. And I would love to have you at our table as well. Um, but everybody starts out zero and zero with no wins and no losses. Not many people have the opportunity to stand on that court at the end, cut down the nets and hear one shining moment standing on center court. I watched that song and replay basically with tears in my eyes every every year seeing the emotions of the team that won, the team that lost, Sister Jean, Father Hagen. What is it like to stand on that court, hearing one shining moment, knowing that 
you've reached the top of that mountain. It's it's so humbling. Um, you, you, I know you 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 said that you had sent me that quote about uh, Coach Wright saying that he just felt blessed. Mm-hmm. You, you, you almost feel not worthy uh, of all the, the 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 joy that comes from an experience like that. And and I think it it really goes to that um, back to that kind of one day at a time, that one game at a time. Right. That you know the, the 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 values don't change. You just happen to kind of get to the last one, mm-hmm. and and so you're standing up on that mountaintop, um, just incredibly grateful and aware of how many other people it took to accomplish that goal. You know, you think about your family. The the coaches think about their their spouses, uh, their children, um, the players, the parents. Um, you know players that that went before that didn't win but helped pave the way your your heart just fills up with so many memories and appreciation for all the 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 many hands that went into it that it really just defies words and and you just all you can do is say thank you god and thank you to the person that's standing next to you that you just want to hug and so in just a few moments, I believe you're going to be at the team meal before the Xavier game. Um, what prayer do you have in mind to the team? But more important, what have you, what prayer do you have for us as, this, uh, as we go into March and March Madness? Well, thank you. I, I, as, you as I mentioned, you know, tomorrow is Ash Wednesday. And so we will, we will talk a lot about the urgency of life, uh, about not being hung up about the past and, and certainly not being worried about the future. This is not uh, maybe we haven't won as many games as we would like to have won this this year so far. Um, but that doesn't mean that we still don't have a brotherhood, that we still can't be the best version of ourselves moving forward. And so that would be the message today. I mean, for the team and the message today, you know, for all of your listeners, for you, Rabbi, I'm just so grateful uh, for you reaching out. You know, I have the Ten Commandments hanging up in my office. You know, Jesus's Last Supper was was a Passover meal. I feel a lot of bond and connection with our Jewish brothers, with all of our uh, sisters and brothers of all many faiths that we're all, you know, there's many roads to heaven. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if we can, you know, love and respect and, and try to help one another, I think in the end, that's where we find peace. And so I'm grateful for, uh, for the bond that we, we have here and uh, for the invitation to come on today. Amen. And uh, as you watch the game tonight, Villanova Xavier, make sure you watch the coaches, make sure you watch the players, <laughs> but make sure you look at the end of the bench to see Father Robert Hagen of Villanova University. Father, it's so great to have you. Senior Associate Athletic Director of Villanova, Team Chaplain of Basketball and Football, Villanova Champion of Basketball, NCAA 2016 through 2018, right here on Rabbi on the Sideline. Father, it's so good to see you, and we'll see you in the city of brotherly love. Have a great day. God bless. Thank you. Thank you.